שלום עליכם, שבוע טוב, happy פורים, פורים שמח to all of you, listeners of this great station, a station that broadcasts only דברי תורה, דברי מוסר, דברי התעוררות, and of course religious music. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. I'm going to speak a little bit about Purim. There is a passage in the Gemara, Masachet Megillah, Daf Yud Bet. It says, Sha'alu Talmidav et Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. The Talmidim, the students of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, asked them a question. Why were the Bnei Israel in the days of Purim? Why were they sentenced to Hasve Shalom extermination? So he said to them, to his students, you tell me why. So they responded, Because they were Nehenu. It doesn't say Achlu, they ate. Of course they ate, but it says Nehenu. They derived pleasure from the banquet that Ahasuerus had prepared for everybody in Shushan. So then Rabbi Shimon Bar Yahai says to them, if so, because they had some pleasure from the banquet, then then let the people in Shushan who participated, they should be the ones to be punished and, and killed. But not, not the other 127 states, not all over. So then the Talmudim asked him, he says, Emorata, you, you tell us what the reason is. Amalahem, Rabbi Shubarachah said, Because some hundred years before that, a hundred years before that, the Bnei Yisrael, they bowed down to Ratzelem, to an idol. We're talking about the idol of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babel, an idol that was like a Shishim Amot high, 90 feet high. And nine feet wide, huge Selim. And the king had forced everyone to bow down to it. And the Bnei Israel also bowed down to it. So they asked him, in that case, so I mean, Hashem has favoritism here. How come he didn't punish them? They should have been punished if they did so. So he answered, no, they only did it you know, make believe, lifnim. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu also did not punish them completely. He just made believe for the punishment. After that, he resigned it. Now, we have to understand what is, uh, what's going on here. What did the Talmidim of Rabbi Shemar think when they said, because they derived pleasure from the Seudah? And what does it mean Rabbi Shimon when he says his answer is because they made believe what's going on. So the Gemara in Masechet Abu Dazara says the following. It says that 
a great Imora, Rabba, he brought a gift to a very important officer of the king by the name of Barshishah. And he brought it like uh, the day the day of the holiday, their holiday. <coughs> According to the, the halakha, we're not supposed to bring it on the holiday. You're supposed to bring a gift like uh, three days before or before that. But he says, he says, no, he says, this guy is not a religious person. He's, he's an atheist and he doesn't, he doesn't know what, what anything. Anyway, so he came in to give him the gift and he saw him in a nice, beautiful, warm swimming pool with Vradim. Meaning, they had like a, a nice, uh, fragrant flowers all over in the pool, and as the Gemara, the Gemara says, a lot of maidens around him. So he says, uh, <coughs> he says to Rava, "Is there anything?" more pleasureful than this. Well, he didn't believe in any religion. He only believed in the pleasure of the body. He says, is there anything better than this? So Rabbi says to him, yes, there's something better. Onamaba. You can't imagine the pleasure that the soul has in Onamaba. He starts laughing. <laughs> it's not nuts. Oh, this is this is real pleasure. Sarabas says to him, You really never have real pleasure. So the officer says, Why not? He says, Because the fear of the king is always on you. The king at any time. He can call on you, bring you in, and hang you. So he says, starts laughing, well, that <laughs> can't happen. Just then and then, a messenger from the king comes. He says to him, he says to the officer, the king wants you immediately. Come. And he runs out of the pool. He puts his hand over here. And he says to Ravam, he says to him, yeah, you, you choose, yeah, you really know what you're saying. He says, I'm going to give you a blessing. He who does anything wrong to you should have his eye out. His eye out. Rabbi says, Amen. And his eye popped out. The eye of the officer. What, what am I saying this for? Something very interesting. He says to him, Rabbi says to him, when, because you have the fear of the king, you cannot really have any pleasure. A person who's always in fear cannot enjoy anything in this life. And therefore, if a person does enjoy, then there is no fear of the king. And that's what the Talmidim of Rabbi, Rabbi Shemobar has said. misodato. They didn't say she achlu because they ate. Sure, they ate. Everything was kasher. 
קונטר למדרש, הוא יוסקה שייר, the wine was kasher, the food was kasher, למהדרין. What was the problem? The problem נהנו, that they had pleasure from it. And they were the כלים of the בית המקדש being used all along. The big day, the begadim, the, the garments of the Kohen Gadol were being used. It didn't bother them. They're still having pleasure. It means that there is no fear of the king of kings over them. That's what it means. And that's the idea what the Talmudim are telling Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. They didn't have any, any fear of HaKadosh Baruch Hu at all. It means that the entire Jewish community all over the 127 states did not have the HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why they were mitchayev, that's why they were sentenced. Now, let's understand what is the answer that Rabbi Shemal Barihai said. He said differently. He said because they bowed down to Tzalem, to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. So in that case, they should be really punished. But they said it was only a make-believe. Let's understand what that means. You know, in the Megillah itself, it says that uh, Haman Arasha, when he became like a prime minister, and then he mandated that everyone should bow down to him. Mordechai will not bow down to him. He won't do it. So Hachamim say, well, he had a tselem. He had some kind of idol that he was wearing. So although, according to Halakha, we're allowed to bow down to a human being. I mean, Yaakov Avinu yishtahava le'esav. Avraham Avinu, he bowed down to the b'nechet. As a human being, okay, but a tselem, an idol, not. So it seems that According to the Midrash, they told Haman about that, and Haman removed the Tselem, and still, he would not bow down. Why? Because of Mar Ita'in. If he does bow down, then perhaps the people around him would know that Haman took away the Tselem. He took away the idol, but all over the entire 127 states, the Jews are not going to know that. <clears throat> And they will think that a gadol ador like Mordechai at Sadiq was bowing down despite the fact that he had a tselem which he was wearing all the time. Marit ayin. Marit ayin. There is something wrong, but it's also because of marit ayin. That's, that's the only thing that's wrong here. There's a halakha that if you're walking around in a place where it's hot, and you want to drink badly, and you see an idol at Selim, and this Selim has fresh, sweet water coming out of its mouth, let's say. The halakha is you're not allowed to bend down in order to drink. Now, you're not really bending down to the idol. You only want to drink. Because of mar ita'ayin. Because what the people around you would say This man is bowing down to the idol. Maritain. That's that that is the that is the problem. We have another case. And this case is um, 
described in the book of the Maccabees. In the book of the Maccabees, which talks about the history of Hanukkah, it talks about a woman that was a tzaddiket, Hannah, and her seven children. And the, the, the emperor at the time, Antiochus IV in Mashimu, Rasha, he wanted these children that they should be bowing down to the idol also. And he starts with the older one. He threatens him with death. He wouldn't budge. He would not. So he tortured him in front of the others. He dismembered him and he threw him alive into the, uh, uh, into the fire in Mashimam, the ISIS are doing. Hoping that the others will learn the lesson. But it didn't. The second one also went to death. He would not. And so down the line until he reached the youngest. And he went to the mother. He says, look, you already lost six children. And you have one left. At least talk to him. Let him bow down. And this way, at least you have one child left. She went over to the child and she said to him, be strong, have faith, don't listen to him. So the king wanted to have a, a, a pshara, some kind of a compromise. He says to the kid, to the child, he says, listen, I have here my signet, my, a ring, very important uh, uh, thing by, 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 by the king. That's why he signs uh, uh, all documents. He says, I'm going to throw it down next to the aisle. And all I want you to do is pick it up. As you bend down to pick it up. So at the same time, you're bowing down to the Selim. And everyone will think that you're bowing down to the statue. He says, no. No way. I won't do it. Why? Maritain. Maritain, Rabotai. Even though he's not doing anything wrong, his intention is not to bow down to the Selim. His intention is to pick up the signal. But to the outside world is mar itain. And that's not allowed. Now let me give you an example that is uh, more uh, more recent. It has to do with the Goim. Between the years 1971 and 1979, the, the president of Uganda was Idi he was, uh, they say in Arabic, a majnoon. Real crazy, real crazy person. And he was vain. And he was very strict. Anyone that comes to see him has to bow down to him. Regardless of the color, black, white, whatever. They have to bow down to him. That's him. He made that kind of a rule. He made himself like almost like a god. So when the British ambassador had to see him, uh, he 
sent messengers to tell the British ambassador that, uh, you know, anyone that comes to see him has to bow down. You know, the British, <laughs> they don't go for that kind of garbage. <laughs> no way. We don't bow down to this man here. No, I'm not bowing down. And of course, they had to see each other. They had to talk. He insisted. The king insisted that he should bow down. I mean, the president, he was a real, officially a president, but he acted more than a king. He was more like a dictator. And the ambassador said no. Finally, Idi Amin said, you know what? I'm going to be in a room in the palace where the top of the door will be very, very kind of low, halfway than the usual. And when he comes in, in order to enter the room, he's going to have to bend down to enter the room because there's no other way. And that would look like he's bowing down, but to him, it doesn't look like he's bowing down. That was the, that was the answer. You see, there is such a thing as Maritain. We can't, you know, we cannot. A person cannot just walk in into a restaurant that's not kosher uh, and he comes out with a cup of coffee. Oh, what I want is a cup of coffee. But you know, whoever sees him walking there, what does he see? What does he say to himself? Oh, look, this man, a religious Jew walking to a, a, a non-kosher, he probably having lunch or supper. Can't. Now, what happened with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? We're talking about a make-believe. What does that mean, a make-believe? Here's what happened. According to the Midrash, the Akash uh, Verosh, uh, he brought in all the vessels, utensils of the Beit HaMikdash. And he also brought, brought in the garments, the Begadim of the Kohen Gadol. And he was wearing them. And then he had what we call the tzitz. The tzitz was like a, a, a gold plate that the Kohen Gadol would put on his front, on, on his forehead, and it would be like attached to the back of the head that he was, and he was wearing it pretty much all the time. As the Torah said, Al-Mitzhotamid. And this particular tzitz, had very special powers, very, very special powers to give you an idea when HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu, go fight Midian. And Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, because, uh, you know, Midian was good to him, so because of HaKaratatov, he didn't want to actually fight himself, so he told Pinhas, go, go. Go and fight with them. And there the Torah says that when they went to the to war, they said, Ukleha Kodesh Biadam. They had Kleha Kodesh in their hand. What's Kleha Kodesh? Meaning uh, holy vessels. Well, one of the main things that they were talking about there is the seats. The seats. That a plate that the Kohen Gadol put on his forehead. And it turned out that when they came to kill Bilam, Bilam 
Rashai Mahshimo was like a big Navi himself. He knew the Shaman Faraj. And with the Shaman Faraj, he was able to fly up, go up in the air. He can't reach him to kill him. But Pinhas, with the Tzitz, he was able to go higher and bring him down. And then he killed him. The Tzitz had very special powers. Achash, uh, the Nebuchadnezzar, he, he had, he had the, also the, the, uh, the Kerim of the Beit HaMikdash, because there was destruction. The, the, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed already. And he took the Tzitz, and he put it in the mouth of this huge Tzalem, like we said before, 90 foot high. And then the Tzalem was saying, from the Tzitz, the words were coming out, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. So the people, when they heard that, the Jews, they figured, okay, we, we have to bow down anyway. Now we're going to bow down really to Anochi Hashem Elokecha, to Hashem. Not to the Tzalem. They made believe. But everybody else on the outside think what? No, they're bowing down to the Tzalem. So we have a Maritain over here. The Maritain is a very important thing. So this is why Rabbi Shemobarachah told his students this was Maritain. It was a make-believe. But then Akadosh Baruch also punished them with make-believe. In other words, he was going to punish them, but he didn't. He resigned it, the decree afterwards. It was a make-believe in order to what? To bring him down, back to the religion, back to the fold of the Torah. By them fasting for three days, by them being threatened with chasve shalom, elimination, they came back. And not only that, but according to Hazal, they re again re-accepted the Torah. And this time, they accepted the Torah not by force, but by love, by wanting it, with their own willingness to accept it. This, this is the idea. Like Rashi brings the Midrash, Vayabu Amalek is what happened here. Vayabu Amalek is right next to the, the parasha that talks about Rifidim. And over there it says, Hayesh Hashem Bikirvenu Im Ayin. The Bnei Israel were questioning, is there a Kadosh amongst us or not? This is the same people that saw the, the Makot in Egypt, the splitting of the sea. This is the same people. Hayesh Hashem Bekirbenu Imlo. Then Vayabu Amalek. Rashi brings the Midrash. What happens is when the Bnei Israel really get into a, a, a path which is the wrong path, they go astray, then Hashem brings to them something. He brings to them some kind of a Rasha that threatens them in order to bring it back. But Hashem does not really punish them like they did over here with, with the case of Achash Verosh. Instead, 
وَنَهَفُخُهُ They were the ones that were, and they had the upper hand. They were the ones that killed their enemies. And that's why we're very, very happy. Uh, on Purim, Purim is an extremely uh, happy holiday. It is a holiday where we were saved. And we were saved basically by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Even though, if you notice, the name of Hashem is not even mentioned once in the entire Megillah. It's not mentioned once. This is to fulfill what it says. It says, Esther min ha-Torah minayin. How do I know Esther min ha-Torah? What is there a hint, a remez, something of Esther from the Torah itself? And they bring the Anuchi Haster Astir Panai Bayomahu. Akadosh Baruch Hu will somehow uh, cover his face. He will hide. Astir, he will hide his face. What does that mean? Well, the word Haster Astir, Astir is like Esther. And therefore, there is a remez in the Torah. But what, is, what does it have to do with the Megillah? Because when Hashem is angry at the Bnei Israel, what he does is, instead of directly punishing them, he just uh, hides his face, so to speak, and he keeps away from them, and he lets them on their own, and then the enemies come and, uh, uh, and, and hit them. And this is what happened by Esther. Hashem, his name is Haster Astir. He, he, uh, he hid his name. Hashem's name is not there. And it's not there, but at the same time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not want to punish the Bnei Israel. Instead, he was threatening them only in order to bring them back. And this is, Ka'asher yaser ish et beno Hashem elokecha miyasreka. Just like a father is punishing his son, but only is punishing him for the purpose of bringing him back to the right path. That's what Hashem is doing. He tries, he wants to, to punish us, but when he sees that we make the shuvah, we're okay, then, then he, the gezerah is, is removed. Be'ezrat Hashem, just as we had in Purim 2,400 years ago, let us hope that we all come back we all make Teshuvah properly like they did in the days of Purim. And with that, Akalush Baruch Hu will always be with us and he will eliminate our enemies. Be'ezat Hashem. Purim Sameach to all of you. And please, I want to remind you again about this beautiful station to make a, a, a very big effort to try to help. And now Purim is a time when we are very generous. Uh, this is a good cause uh, 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 to uh, give contributions to. Uh, at the same time, if you have any simha, please look us up at the SLC. We have a beautiful social hall. And by the way, today is Purim, and today we have a beautiful event. We have a, a Purim carnival. Bring your children. They'll be very, very happy. A lot of fun. A lot of rice, a lot of food, everything. All for the children. Purim Sameah, Tiskul Shem Rabot. Amen.